Hi, and welcome to episode two of Stuffed, brought to you by the editors of Stuff Magazine. My name is Craig Wilson, and I'm the editor of the print title. And with me is Toby Shapshack, the editor in chief and publisher. Uh, lots to talk about, as always, a busy week in tech. I, I wanted to start with something a little bit light and cheerful, and that's that Lego, of all companies, has made a social network that's meant to be child friendly. Toby, have you seen anything about this? Fascinating, right? So I'm an unadulterated Lego fan. I have played with them my whole life. Lego Star Wars. It's <laughs> got to be one of the greatest gifts, not only to humanity, but to Star Wars fans everywhere. <laughs> and what they've done with the social network is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've, what they've done for a start is shown us something that you've got to wonder why Twitter and Facebook and uh, the rest of the big networks that have had all of these criticisms understandably leveled against them about their inability to control hate speech and abuse. Um, in, here's Lego that's come along said, this isn't even our core business, but we're going to make a safe space for kids. Um, they've done things like uh, they've got human moderation of comments. Uh, the comments for the time being are only Lego approved emoji, uh, kids can't post pictures of themselves or other potentially incriminating or geotagged sort of info. And I just think, you know, first, this is great fun. Obviously, it's also an advertising mechanism for Lego. But also, like, look, guys, it's it's possible. We can make these safe digital spaces with a little bit of effort and uh, directing of resources. Yeah. And and I, I mean, you won't hear a grown man say this very often, but it's cute which is exactly what it needs to be for yeah. the audience that are, are, are the target audience. Kids love it. And uh, Lego's had some great success in the last few years reinventing their brand. Uh, my personal favorite is if you're senior enough at Lego, they make you a little figurine that oh, kind of right. looks like you with your name on the front and your email address and your phone number on the back. It's so profoundly cool. I know. It's like the thing I most want in the world is a little Lego thing that looks like me. I saw a company on online that actually does it for some astronomical fee given that it's also yeah. towns I think but yeah just just so cool just tremendously cool and they've had some very good brand extensions the Lego movie mm. was brilliant in so many ways it was it was a, a animated film that used well-known characters it used characters with a great sense of humor you know the way Batman appeared and yeah, like yeah. slightly it's vain and you know but uh, you know great use of what they've got which is a trusted beloved brand and kids love it you know so uh, good good for them to do it kudos for them and I and I I'd like to pick up on your point of if they can stop trolls you know what is Facebook and uh, Twitter doing about it you know this yeah. is the biggest problem with the internet that the trolls are ruining it because they just you know as a kid would say a stick in the mud What's fascinating is if Lego can do it, what is taking Facebook and Twitter so long to do the same? Trolls are ruining the internet and it shouldn't be possible. And it is possible to moderate it. And this is a great demonstration of it. Well, I guess the other problem is agendas, right? The, the, the agenda here, Lego's agenda is to make sure that this is something
something that parents won't be afraid uh, to let their kids use and that could be a sort of introduction to social networks for youngsters you know let's say 8 to 11 year olds who we maybe don't want on Instagram or all the other platforms but you can bet will want to be there as soon as they're they're old enough whereas Twitter it's not in their interest to to limit uh, who can access it or to block people on mass because they're already having problems growing their user numbers and I guess part of the problem is that the business agenda doesn't include uh, managing uh, trolls and the other negative aspects that are to some extent I think ruining these services. Indeed, indeed. Speaking of agendas, we're going to do our Mobile World Congress uh, forecast next week. But interesting to note, two big things have happened with uh, Samsung in the last week. It's come out with the the research both internally and externally what what went wrong with the Note 7 and -hmm. and how uh, the batteries were compromised and and ultimately caught fire. But that they're not going to launch a phone uh, at this year's MWC. They're going to launch a tablet. Yeah, yeah, indeed, and that we're going to wait for the phone uh, until April once things have sort of died down a little. But uh, it looks like a tablet's coming. All the rumors suggest that's what it's going to be. And I guess you don't want to miss the opportunity. You know, they're doing it on the 26th, which is the Sunday, which is the sort of day before the conference actually opens and when we'd expected to see the Galaxy S8 unveiled. Um, And, you know, I guess you've already booked the space. You've, you know, got Jonah's attention. You may as well use it for something. And they're kind of overdue a tablet update. So it makes sense. It's a logical sort of extension. And, and I mean, I kind of feel sorry for Android tablet manufacturers insofar as as many years as they've been out there, most people, if you're looking to buy a tablet, regardless of your feelings about Apple, um, they still have the most cohesive ecosystem. They still provide the best user experience. And pretty much every other tablet has always felt like an awesome and, and just not the, the full sort of honed experience. So maybe they've sorted that out. We look forward to, to testing it and, of course, uh, finding out. Indeed. So, uh, interesting thing that's happened in 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 the week is that um, uh, poker players have been bo- beaten by an artificial intelligence. Do we call it mind? Do we call it bot? Basically, AI plays better poker than humans do. Right, right. But I feel like we've got to qualify this, right? So this is these are what the headlines shout. They say, "Oh, we've beaten humans at poker." More specifically, it's beaten a human at poker. So it's been one person. It's been the AI playing against one human at No Limit Texas Hold'em. Yes. Which, don't get me wrong, look, for a start, it's much more complicated than Go or Chess or any of these sorts of games because there, both parties have a full overview of everything, you know, the full board and the sort of state of play at all times. With poker, you've got the problem of the chance of what which cards have come up plus the, the not knowing what the other player is holding. But playing against one player is very different from playing against four or five players or say a, a whole table of them but I think it does show us that more and more games are just going to fall by the wayside uh, and get progressively thrashed by AIs. Indeed and it's worth noting how poker itself has transformed there was you know so much of poker uh, the phrase poker face comes from and is that you read the signs of other people so you see people playing poker in these big grand things in Las Vegas and wherever and they do their damnedest to have no emotion on their face and they wear sunglasses and they (laughs) they all look like they're having the worst possible time (laughs) because they're not trying to reveal anything I mean it's just the most depressing thing to watch people play and interesting a few years ago uh, a, a guy who just played online poker he'd only played against basically a computer screen yeah. and he came along and he just wiped out all of these players who'd become such 
proficient experts at reading the other players and their tells and their their giveaways. And what he'd become good at is just playing the cards and playing yeah. the odds and playing the statistics. So it's within that kind of context that AI would have a better chance because you know you you might even not know you're playing against an AI mind. You may just be playing against someone on the other side of a screen. So you know it's it needs to be moderated what kind of success there is, but still you know yet another seemingly impossible game for a computer or an artificial intelligence to play falls sure. by the wayside. But again, there's also this sort of, this narrow focus sort of AI, right? And you talk about the emotions and, and reading tells, and that's that's certainly part of the challenge is that here, I mean, I think in this sort of instance, the AI is playing the numbers, right? It's a sort of brute force approach uh, to these games. And in the same way that the Deep Blue was, you know, playing Kasparov, what it would do is look at every possible move and then assess them and sort of rank them and make a move accordingly. And that's very different from the sort of emotional sensitivity that I think we imagine a properly intelligent artificial intelligence would have. And it's that sort of emotional sensitivity that I think remains a long way off and that should keep the naysayers uh, at bay when it comes to worrying about uh, AI turning destructive. I think anyone who's used Siri for an extended period will realize just how far we are uh, from Skynet or uh, AI really taking control, you know? Indeed. Speaking of, uh, of playing, uh, we've had one of these brilliant nine-bot mini pros in the office. <laughs> uh, and it is a great little device. It's so much fun. It's a, it's a mini Segway made, you know, Segway is now owned by Ninebot. Uh, and a lot of the clever technology is, is crossed over. It's, a, I suppose, a, a mini version of, of this device uh, and just tremendously fun, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, we've had great fun riding around the office getting looks from some of our colleagues and uh, some of the folk in the neighboring offices. It looks like a Segway except without the handlebars and with substantially smaller wheels. And instead, yeah. you've got this little bar between your knees that you sort of use to steer. And best, the best bit about it is that it is totally intuitive. You just you steer on it, uh, it the gyroscope keeps it upright. It just balances by itself, and within a couple of minutes, even the most sort of nervous uh, rider can get the hang of it. The only problem, though, frankly, uh, to my mind, is that it's still kind of impossible not to look like a giant dork riding one. Well, speak for yourself. I mean, I, I you know. <laughs> well, you I'm, look like a medium-sized dog. Yeah, right? yeah. I'd, li- I'd like to believe I look like, you know, uh, a, a knight riding into battle upon my steed. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> what are you going to fight? I mean. Yeah. Look, the, the, the use case is still being evolved. I mean, what, yeah. what would you do with it? I, I, I would love to pack it in my suitcase and take it to Mobile World Congress yeah. or CES. Or they wouldn't let you in with it, though. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it probably weighs as much as your entire luggage. But it would just make one's life so much easier. Well, I thought um, about I thought about riding it, uh, riding one home. Um, but my concern is Joburg drivers. You know, even though it's a very short, uh, very short trip, be- because we don't have bike lanes or the sort of infrastructure for, uh, you know, alternative transport generally, um, I do sort of worry for my life. Also, that um, with the bright lights and things on the back, you know, if someone hits you, it would be deliberate. But having seen what I look like riding it, I'm also not sure I could hold it against them. Yes, indeed. And and uh, anyone who wants to have a look at that, just see Craig's editor's picture in the. March issue for uh, 
<laughs> we we had slide. great fun shooting. I've got to tell you, the looks you get while you're driving around a parking lot with a cameraman hanging out the back of a car and another guy running alongside you with a wireless flash on a softbox. Um, the security guards thought we were the most fun ever. And of course, security guards seem to have become the key uh, market for Segways. For, I know. Isn't it remarkable? <laughs> I, mean, I, I was explaining the history of this locomotion device to someone. And, and when it first came out, Dean Carmen, the inventor, was, you know, it seemed like it would revolutionize transport. Uh, perhaps not, because the no. only people who use it are car guards uh, or occasionally tourists in, you know, European cities. Yeah, Segway tourists. Right? You can even do these on the, I see you can do them on the promenade in Durban now. Last time I was down there. You can do a Segway tour them, of, uh, you can do a Segway tour of, of Spear Wine Farm, for instance. Right. But again, I, I bring you back to the point that unfortunately, it's one of these things a little bit like uh, Bluetooth earpieces, that it's just difficult not to look like a bit of a, a bit of a dork. And and speaking of Bluetooth earpieces, that's that's one of the other things I wanted to talk about this week. Another piece of tech that's come into the office that uh, that's been really um, really interesting is the Sony Xperia Ear. Brett, our digital editor, has been playing with it, and I never thought I would see the day that Brett was excited about what looks like a Bluetooth earpiece. But lo and behold, he says what amazes him about it is that it's got a sort of personal assistant built in. If you saw the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix, we're talking about a sort of softer version of this. Um, you issue commands, uh, it speaks speaks to you and tells you things like the weather, the traffic on your route home. Uh, if you get you know navigation, you can get it to direct you while you drive your car, um, or you can get it to play you music. My only worry is, of course, who really wants music in one ear? But here again, we have this, this sort of object that I think is already loaded with um, assumptions and there's there's this notion that Bluetooth earpieces uh, are just terribly uncool but I know you've also had experience with the Jabra one that you're yeah, it's, partial a, it's to. called the Jabra Eclipse I use it all the time. I think it's fantastic. It's got a great little battery booster case that it comes in. It's got three hours of battery life. Uh, it gets me through the day. I use it for making calls. I was using the Jabra Sport. The Pulse, uh, yeah. Yeah, the Pulse, the running headset. Uh, but this has got much better noise cancellation, so it's much better for the person on the other side. It's oh, it better fit to purpose. Yeah, fit to purpose. Great little device. I don't have a Bluetooth car kit in my car very specifically. Um, and I and I really I found it really great. It has a use. I, I every time I wear it, I kind of feel like uh, that that picture of Brad put that Wired magazine put on the front cover. I think in two thousand and eight or something, where he's got this Bluetooth uh, headset <laughs> in his ear, and, he, and and he's got this quizzical look on his face, and the caption says something like, you know, he can't even pull it off, and you're not him. Um, I remember, you know, wondering where the sales of of, of Bluetooth headsets must have gone, but it's definitely gone to our, our friends in the geek community. But this Jabra is excellent. The sound quality is excellent. The ability is excellent. And, and talking of, of, of listening to music with one ear, I very often listen to the news on 702. I use the 702 app a lot. Yeah. Or I listen to uh, the Midday Report. So I'm often hearing it through one ear. And it's great, actually, for, for a short amount of time. And, and it's quite draining on the battery. Sure. You know, the, this is the issue that both the, the Jabra and the Sony have is that because they are, because they 
they're such small devices, they don't have very good battery life. Therefore, they have to have a pouch to charge it, and the yeah. pouch has always got to be with you or in your bag. Or you know, I often forget it on the uh, counter at home, and I walk out the door, and then you know the thing dies very quickly. It's uh, it's kind of, I mean, it's a first world problem, but nonetheless, it's it's the evolution of these personal assistants. And we're going to see more of this, right? So yeah. Yeah, uh, Apple absolutely. users are familiar with, I've been using Google Voice Search for ages. Amazon's Electra is uh, is suddenly the, you know, the, 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 the voice assistant du jour. We're going to be speaking to ourselves a lot more, not just Brett Fenter talking to himself, but everybody. Oh, not the Xperia. Yeah, it's funny to, to hear him. I mean, battery life, this is still, this is the great problem with all of these. And this is the great problem, not just with earpieces, but with phones. It's the thing that we still don't seem able to crack and I think between fixing battery and mobile devices especially Samsung well especially Samsung and uh, the person who can design the waterproof traffic light for, for uh, Johannesburg these seem like oh. the, the massive gaps in the market right if you can fix if you can find a battery that will last all day in a single earpiece um, you should make a killing I'm also testing another sort of related device while we're on the topic and that's Braggy's The Dash which launched uh, here recently now, now this is I mean these are a real commitment insofar as you've got to lay out six grand for them which is a lot for two wireless headphones but probably similar to what we're going to pay for the AirPods I mean the AirPods sorry when they uh, do launch officially in the local market um, and what I like about the, the Braggy is for, for a start I like the waterproofness although I feel like I need to uh, adjust the the supplied sleeves to get a, a snugger fit because I found that although I could hear things it wasn't quite as clear as I'd like and it wouldn't let me make them any louder it told me I'd hit the sort of maximum uh, volume while I was trying to listen to a podcast on uh, magazine covers actually that you sent me Toby while swimming links of the Zoo Lake pool but the the tech itself is superb you tuck them in it knows when it's in your ear it wakes up it tells me the time uh, if I pull one out it pauses my whatever I'm listening to automatically there's touch controls on either side um, and you, you know, can use them in a pool. And I can use them underwater, yeah, which is the thing that I was most excited about trying. They also got the heart rate sensors like the Jabra Pulse that you mentioned. Um, so you can do sort of sports and fitness tracking. But again, the biggest problem is the case. You wind up with this heavy metal case that charges them sort of three or four times. Um, but you've now got to lug that around. And it's sort of just a, an extra burden. And the biggest worry with all of this, of course, is what happens if I lose one? Lug around the extra burden of the case I just well, have, you know I, the weight of it no you said you laugh I can see you loving me you of all people who who has a who has a scale for weighing things that you're going to travel with right you use you the have kitchen to tell scale. people that in public of course I mean that's what makes these sorts of things charming you have a you weigh things you this, this battery pack weighs I think it weighs 250 grams it's a quarter of a kilogram for two tiny in-ear earbuds well, this is it, stuffed podcast <laughs> where we, we display what the first world problems are confronting technology and the like. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm Toby Shapshak and he is Craig Wilson.